A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Danny Murphy discuss the murmurings of discontent amongst Newcastle fans. Are they valid? Eric Ten Hag has pushed back on Jamie Carragher over what he believes is a lack of objectivity when it comes to Manchester United. Should managers hit back at pundits? Danny gives us his take on that. And a transfer window for managers? Can it work? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Talking now, though, about that match that Danny uh, was working on last night. Newcastle, of course, have got themselves into the FA Cup quarterfinals. Um, they hope to win a domestic trophy for the first time in about 69 years. It's quite incredible. Um, afterwards, Eddie Howe, uh, you wouldn't be surprised to hear, was just saying it's a getting through that mattered. It was a proper old-fashioned cup tie, really, I thought. Um, means everything to us. Um, there's a lot of emotions during the game. We... You know, that, that was really tough. I thought Blackburn played well. Made it very difficult for us to penetrate them and break them down. They're also a threat. The other way, I thought a goalkeeper made a couple of really good saves in open play um, during the game. But as did theirs, so even contest and we're delighted to get through. I mean, Danny, you were there and you watched it at close quarters, but would winning the FA Cup, they're a long way off from doing that, I know that, but would winning the trophy take Newcastle's season from regressive to remarkable? Pretty much. Um, I mean, that would paper over a few cracks, but yeah, it would be an amazing achievement for them to get some trophy there because that's what they're aiming for, really. You know, these owners didn't come in to be nearly there. They want to win trophies. Well, they said they're going to. So yeah, I think it would be it would be a, a huge achievement for them and really set things up nicely for next season and, and give Eddie a bit of breathing space. Um, I did. I, I worried for them a little bit in that. Last couple of months watching Newcastle, they've lost that athleticism and energy and um, you know superb intensity that they played with for the majority of last season and at times this season, especially at home. They seem to create it better at home than they do away. Why is that? <clears throat> well, I think ultimately it's down to a lack of strength and depth. I mean, a lot of those players have been flogged. A lot of those players have played a hell of a lot of minutes. And if you play the style that Eddie wants, you have to be physically very good. It's not a possession-based philosophy. It's a high-intensity, high-energy front foot football that Eddie likes. 
And when there's a few players out of 11 who aren't quite with that or on board with it, it becomes very difficult for the rest to follow suit. And you kind of get caught in this in-between situation where you, you want to do it and you're nearly there, but you become a bit easier to play against, which is what we've seen, hence the fact they've conceded a lot of goals. Um, so, yeah, they need... They need to get players fit and get that squad. Do you think there's an issue with Gamirez's athleticism? Yes, absolutely. Um, that's what will stop him being one of the best because everything else in his game is superb. Yep. Great passer, technically gifted, but he's not a great athlete. I mean, he has... I, I, I feel for him because I was the same, really. I had to be on top of my game to look a good player. Yep. And when I was below my best physically, I looked a bit lethargic and a bit sloppy at times. And he needs real athletes around him to shine. And normally they've got it with Joel Linton, uh, Willock, yeah. uh, Longstaff. Normally they surround him with amazing legs so you see the best of him. But to be fair to Bruno, his durability in terms of always being available to play, he always turns He's always up. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, his, his athleticism is only a problem when he doesn't have those around him to help him. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's still a crucial player for them. But in some, if you're talking about the best midfielders in the world, that's what will... Stop him being classed sure. as one of them. Sure. I know why you're asking that, Simon. And Danny's answer uh, is the perfect response to it. But you think that... I, I was watching that. I saw him mm. some time ago up at St. James's Park against Villa. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I thought, there's nothing this guy can't do. And yet, last night, on occasion, I look at him and I, I think, he's a bit laboured. And I th and I saw that in the Liverpool game. Now, I mean, look, we're looking for high standards. And the Arsenal. Yeah, we're looking for high standards because we're expecting Newcastle to land in and amongst the elite. And you can make certain arguments about where Aston Villa are at this moment in time. But the point is, is that is that I look at Newcastle and think, again, the Eddie Howe argument rages, and I am in the same camp as Danny. <clears throat> I think he's got <clears throat> enough credit in the bank not to be reading too much about people criticising the job that he's doing and questioning his ability to be continuing in that job. Um, and that's unfortunately the victim of success that you get. I don't think it's an unf I don't think it's un being put on on him. In previous incarnations, when Pardew got them into the top half of the table, there was always this observation that the next expectation of the Newcastle fans is to win the league. I don't think the downward pressure on Eddie Howe will come from the fans. I think it will either come from the owners creating their own narrative or sections of the media that are writing his obituary because it's absolutely yes. explicit that yeah. Newcastle should now be landing inside the top four season upon season because of their ownership model yeah the, mean, only, the only thing I would say yeah. and, and as I said I've been his biggest fan Eddie the way he conducts himself the way he coaches the team everything and on occasion when I've seen them and struggling in games that yes there's sometimes personnel change but very rarely tactical change you know like I thought last night was screaming out with the way Blackburn set up to play two up you know change it to play two up top to occupy the three centre halves for Blackburn a little bit more, get some runs in behind and play off the front men rather than try and play through this conden condensed space. Mm. And and on the on the I suppose on the counter to that, you could argue that people like Pep and Guardiola and uh, Pep and Jurgen never change because they believe in what they're doing. Mm. So it's it's a catch yeah. twenty two. But I did think maybe last night there was a, there was a a time where he could have changed it to try and switch the momentum in the game. But they, yeah. got, through, they got through, to so, be fair. I mean, Simon, murmurings, briefly, murmurings of discontent amongst certain sections of the Newcastle support. Are, are they valid? I haven't, um, I haven't heard it. I, I don't know if that's true. If it's true, then I think they're a bit previous. It simmers a bit. Well, again, I don't know how true that is. You'll always find a dissenting voice if you seek it. There was no um, murmurs in the but 7 I think Newcastle, last night. I mean, it's not the season that they anticipated. I also think that, again, I make the point, but, you know, 
that your outcome is your outcome. I think they were unlucky in the Champions League. Oh, desperately. Um, and, you know, they can take a lot out of that Champions League campaign. And I think it's a learning curve this season. I think I think Eddie Howe needs to stabilise the ship a little bit and make sure that they do finish as near inside the top six as they possibly can. And then it's interesting to see what they'll do economically next season because they've got Champions League money coming into this season's finances, mm. which will adjust their finances in terms of FFP. And it'll be interesting to see if they go again with another 150 or a couple of hundred million quid because if Newcastle are going to go in the direction that everyone expects them to and, 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 and Manda Stavely has suggested that they inevitably will, there's going to have to be a change in personnel because there's players in there that have done a great job of them to get to this point, but the next yeah. level yeah. is the next level. OK, let us know what you think of our observation. Certainly Danny was there, Simon and I watched on from distance, but Newcastle got through. It got through on penalties. Um, I'll put it out there this morning. Uh, you're probably Many of you back home last night, very, very late, having been there. Many of you will watch it, of course, hoping Newcastle got through, and they did. They're in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Can they go all the way and win a domestic trophy for the first time in almost 70 years what is your perspective on where Newcastle are at this time under Eddie Howe that would be the question I'll ask you 03717 Danny there's Ruben Bruno ran the second furthest distance this season only beaten by James Ward-Prowse it's yeah, unfair that, criticism not, to hear that this morning no no covering distance isn't about athleticism and dynamism yeah, a lot of players cover a lot of distance, in, and I'm certainly not questioning his, his work rate. Right, his, his work ethic's tremendous, yeah. but there's there's some players are gifted with physical attributes that others aren't. You know, I, I played with Gerard, one of the most physically competent midfielders you'll ever see. It was so natural to him. Yeah, you look at Bellingham. You know, he's a, he's just a beautiful athlete. He, it's a natural gift. Bruno hasn't got that, so he has to be on top of his game, fitness wise. Not the only one. There's loads of players. Like okay. That. All right. So, so it's not about distance covered, and it's not about work ethic. His work <laughs> ethic's great. It's there's, just. Yeah, there's Pete and Gateshead. Jim, stop rabble-rousing. We have a few malcontents, like every club. There is no outcry for Eddie's head. Good. Pete and Gateshead. Come on and tell us. Download. Stand well back. Listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Ah, this is what I love about doing this show. You put something out there, you get a response. This morning, because it's Newcastle, you get a huge response. I really like Newcastle United as a football club, but I've seen their fans home and away, and I love the way they go about it. Fantastic enthusiasm and passion for their club. And last night, and Blackburn, no disrespect, Newcastle moved through to the next round of the FA Cup. I personally would love them to get to Wembley. I'd love to see Newcastle there. I was there when they lost to Manchester United years ago, not long after I went to Sky, but 99, was it? 98, 99. Um, Big well, Duncan was playing <laughs> for Newcastle that day. But now they're in full stride, it would seem. Or are they? What's the Newcastle fans' perspective of where Newcastle are? Simon's with me, so too is Danny. And John's a big Newcastle fan. John, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning, John. What is your perspective? It sounds as if you're in a very busy, noisy factory, but let's do it. What's your perspective of Newcastle? Um, the perspective of Newcastle is that this year, above all years, everybody was expecting big things. In the Carabao Cup, we had uh, Manchester City, Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah. How hard a run could you have had? In the Champions League, it was known as a group of death. In the FA Cup, all our games have been away from home. We've had a horrendous injury situation throughout the season, and yet everybody's pointing the finger at Eddie Howe. Plus, on top of that, we've not beat the club, who are the richest club in the world, 
have not been due to financial fair play, have not been allowed to spend the money that the owners have. Good point, John. So I think great point. In Eddie, we trust John. It seems Absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah. One, one, every single. I mean, I'm driving near Newcastle Airport now, and as I'm driving, everybody I talk to tells me the same thing. Eddie Howe's the man to stay in the club. Yep. Eddie Vance, what he's got to be allowed to do, he's got to be allowed to have a chance in, with injury free players, plus being allowed to spend some of the money that the other bigger clubs can spend. John, good points there. Thank you. And Danny, you were agreeing almost with everything that John said. Yeah, I, I think they conducted themselves well in the Champions League and really should they would have been guaranteed Europa League if they didn't push it and go for it in the last game to try and get in the Champions League and the refereeing decision in PSG, etc. etc. They 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 were very competent in their in their performances and did well in a in a in a group that really I didn't fancy them in. So that that was right. I think the injuries, although other clubs have had injuries, Newcastle's has been bizarrely bad then you had the Tonali situation just to add insults to injury True. so yeah I do yeah. feel for them uh, you can't have that many players and and the, the spending one's right I mean I've heard Simon talk eloquently about the, the changes needed in that for new owners to be able to at least compete and bring the business forward and be competitive yeah and I think that's something that definitely needs addressing because they are sitting on their hands aren't they D Simon put put, put us into perspective your thoughts on Eddie Howe and where is that? Because, again, Pardew flared a bit about your terminology regarding him. Uh, yeah. A, 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 <clears throat> As a gatekeeper. A gatekeeper. Yeah. Does he not like you? I don't really care. Pards. Um... I don't know. He's got an opinion on on my opinion. That's fair enough. If I have an opinion, I've got to have an opinion back on my opinion, haven't I? Yeah. Um, I I yeah. think that um, that the the caller's points are, are are decent points. I mean, every club has injuries, so they can't be singled out on that basis. Yeah, but they had uh, a spell where it was. Uh, I mean, you could understood. argue there's a training regime yeah. analysis to be had, possibly, yeah. possibly, yeah. or just misfortune. Yeah. And then you do, and I'm and I'm repeatedly make the point about their Champions League um, exploits. Um, and I think that there was always this inflated expectation that you know. Stuart Pearce sat in this very studio and said he thinks Newcastle are going to win the league this year. Yes. And that's the backdrop to which Eddie was managing in. Right. I don't think he's done much wrong. I don't think he's done much wrong from the moment he put, set foot in the door, from the players that he's bought to the players that he subsequently sold and got their money back from, um, to the way that the team has played. And I think they're just having a levelling off. Yeah. I do maintain the view that new ownership models, irrespective of whether I like the genesis of how this club mm. is owned and who owns them, is irrelevant. A new ownership model should have a slightly different view of financial fair play because it enables capital investment into football. Do you think that will come? I think they will sophisticate financial fair play. I think it's a blunt instrument that is now being implemented. And now that it's been implemented properly and with meaning, people are starting to cry. And so that will mean that it's never about implementing a rule, it's about how you enforce it. And now that they're starting to enforce it, you're starting to see that some of the inconsistencies, some of the challenges. So I think it will sophisticate once people have got the message that actually it's here and it's being enforced. Sure. They're, uh, interesting, there's Dan, a Newcastle fan. There is no outcry for Eddie's head, but the conversations are starting to happen. Something is changed since dropping out of Europe and the intensity has gone. Joel Linton seems to have been the catalyst to it all. Derek's a big Newcastle fan. Derek, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Derek. Hang on. Derek, Derek, hang on. Are you the Derek that got in the taxi with me down at Southampton? Derek got in the cab with me. Oh, that was brilliant. Drop me off at the ground, would you, Jim? I loved that. I didn't even know you were in the taxi. Derek, on you go. I've seen many things, Jim. I've seen many things. Last night was a tough game. 
it was actually agony to watch. I was absolutely through the roof, but we got through, and I thought Blackburn played really, really well. They gave away a right uh, tough night, uh, 120 minutes. Right. And you've got to give them credit. Um, but thought, overall, what's your perspective of the club? Yeah, fantastic. Um, move forward from what we were like two years ago. They kind of jumped that quickly in two years, the work we've done. Um, the players are all behind Eddie. The fans are behind Eddie. I just one or two moments. But last season was uh, a fantastic roller coaster ride. And I was just looking everybody around you. Get your feet on the floor. Get reality check because you've got to improve the squad. Uh, the players are giving that all. And there's nothing out and uh, take the fault any of them. It's just that we're just starting to put a bit of confidence at the minute. Sure. The injuries have upset the floor. Uh, I think Harvey Barnes, when he come on, he missed a good chance with the maybe two or three more games short and she would have took that no baller. Yeah, but again, um, you feel positive about the future. Uh, Derek, oh, you've, you've made my day coming on, mate. We need to move on because I'm determined to squeeze in Chris, who's been waiting patiently. Chris, where's your head with your club at the moment? Hello, lads. Good Hi. morning. Morning, Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, yeah, I agree with the last caller. I just feel like last season was... Uh, 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 it was a massive overachievement. I feel like we were unbelievable last season, but this season was always going to be a massive test because the squad just isn't big enough mm. to cope with Champions League football and then the Premier League and all the other cup, cup competitions. Um, so I feel like where we are now is sort of where the fans expected. I just, I think the thing that worries the fans is no one knows what's going on in the owners' heads and the fact that we are getting players back in the squad now, Eddie Howe hasn't really got many excuses. So I, I just hope it doesn't happen, but I hope the owners don't start getting impatient with them. I think they'll listen to you guys, first and foremost. The Normally, the biggest problem for owners is the fans' discontent. That's where it starts. I know they're ambitious, but I mean, I don't see any... I, there's just nothing in me that sees a change is needed for now. You know, they, they, they can strengthen again. I, th I think that's a fair comment from Danny, Simon. The owners have got nothing to be sitting up and be worried about, I wouldn't have thought. No, but they didn't buy a football club for them to tread water and they want to see that the direction of travel is going in the right direction. Mm. They buy their own admission. Okay, it's an excited moment. Um, but one of their mouthpieces, after losing the League Cup last year, was telling everyone they're going to win the Premier League, the Champions League, the League Cup and the FA Cup. Now, yeah, but you have to give that context. Well, you do have to give it context. But That, that was but, Amanda with me, Simon, when she was like... But uh, fine. Probably had but, a few shares. But, but that's right. fine, but that's a mindset. They just what, lost a Carabao Cup. That's final. what they're aiming for. Yeah, fine. Okay, I understand that. But ultimately, that's what's in your mind. Yeah. Whether you should say it or not, or whether you're emotional or you're invested in the opportunity at the time, you're still... You're still uh, you know, often some of the most... Uh, the biggest truths are told when people are in moments of weakness or people's moments of emotion. Mm. So their belief system is that this is what they're going to achieve. Now, are they going to want to achieve that? over 10 years because I tell you something the golfing class between Newcastle and Arsenal on Saturday was vast was vast mm, and nope. that's who they're that's who they're after fair, fair point fair point when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. So the world of punditry. The world of punditry. Danny Murphy alongside us, of course. Danny, no stranger to punditry for a long time now, on television, on radio. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. So too are many others. Roy Keane, Gary Neville, of course, Jamie Carragher. Jamie Carragher, of course, in the news at the moment. Speaking on uh, Sky's Monday Night Football, he he critiqued Manchester United's lack of pressing during their game against Fulham, highlighting um, Manu in the opening minute of the match. What are his instructions before the game, said Jamie? Straight from kickoff, he's not sure whether he should close down the holding midfield player or looking at the number 10. He's caught straight from the kickoff. He should know, you should, I beg your pardon, you should know your job straight from the kickoff. And that's down to the coaching staff. Interestingly, Ten Hag picked up on what Jamie said. So some analysts are very objective uh, in their comments, uh, very good advices. Some are very subjective. Huh? So Jamie Carragher is one of them. Uh, from the first moment on, he's criticised, and now he wants to make his point. And probably in the first half an hour, yeah, he had a point. Uh, where uh, Fulham, in the midfield setup, a little bit surprises, and then we had to find the solutions. And after half an hour, we found the solutions. Where we are, uh, I was not pleased with the performance in defending, especially the, over the left side, how we did that, the pressing, because they came out especially in the first half an hour, several times over the left side can't happen. And that has to do everything with willingness and, uh, and spirit and, and passion. And uh, so, yeah, that was, in the previous weeks, was very good from this team. And therefore, we won football games. So it's kind of bristling a bit, Danny, isn't it, Ten Hag? Um, suggesting that there's a lack of objectivity with what Jamie said, because Jamie's ex-Liverpool. Maybe has got some kind of an agenda against United. Who well, knows? Firstly, I, I, I think any manager who starts responding to any pundit's work is losing the battle. A manager who's completely focused um, and has self-belief in what they're doing wouldn't feel the need to defend, analyse, criticise a pundit who's not working in the game as a manager because you're already above the pundit. You're in the position at Manchester United for a reason. You don't need to justify what you do and answer questions about what a pundit says or doesn't. I think you've lost as soon as you do. What, the very fact he responds to it? Indeed. I've always believed it and I think any manager in charge of a big club does not need, he can just avoid the concern, I'm not interested in talking about that. Move on. 
You can talk to a journalist. Should be able to can ask a question about tactics, whatever. You answer the question. When you start linking in pundits, I think you just you give the manager a real big big problem. And he he already looks like he's defensive for not believing what. He, why would you respond? But in terms of what he says about objectivity and subjectivity, you know, subjectivity based on your feelings rather than evidence. I get. I know where he's coming from. Ex Liverpool. I think at times when you do our job, there is inevitably a little bit of that because of friendships, because of likes, dislikes, certain types of football, certain players, attitudes, behaviours. It's human nature to like some players and managers and teams better than others. Well, let's cut to the chase. But what you have Do you work differently when you're working in a Liverpool game no. to any other game? No, I don't. And do you see it differently? I'd like to... No, I don't. I really believe I don't. Are you pro-Liverpool when you shouldn't be? No. If anything, I think it can go the other way. I think you can actually do bad punditry because you try not to be that and you go the other way. And I, I would say this about Jamie, and I've known him a long time. There's very few people in the world I work in now who I believe watch more football than me and understand more than me. Maybe that's ego, arrogance, call it what you like. He's one of them. Jamie Carragher watches more football than me. Jamie Carragher is as intelligent a football man as I know. And I don't believe for one second that if that was Liverpool defending that badly, he wouldn't do it. And I don't believe for one second if United would be in brilliant and really well really well organised and a great tactical plan, he wouldn't he wouldn't do it as well. As you speak, there's Jack from Sheppey. Morning, chaps. I love you, Danny. But you get as defensive over your mucker Carragher just as much as Ten Hag does with criticism towards him. I'm not defensive. I've just... I've just made articulate points and given my opinion of someone I know very, very well. And how but much you've football... immediately leapt to the support of Jamie. Well, what, what do you want me to do? Immediately go against him when I don't believe it. I've and, just and spoken you said my Ten truth. Hag was wrong to respond to. My it. belief: any manager is wrong to answer questions about any pundit's opinion, unless it's personal. If somebody goes for someone personally, of course, stand your corner, defend yourself, because that's ridiculous. Why would a pundit do that? Do you agree with that, Simon? That Ten Hag should have shut down when it comes to following up on what a pundit has or Takes hasn't said? Takes him nowhere. Yes that's and no. I mean, look, I mean, you've seen um, Pochettino respond to Gary Neville's observations. You've seen Jose Mourinho respond to Jamie Redknapp's um, observations. Uh, and these guys are at the top of the tree. You know, Mourinho, once upon a time, an elite manager... Pochettino, one of those guys that you know people perceive to be one of the top managers around, and they do it. I think the world has slightly changed. I do actually concur with Danny's view that you embolden the thinking of the pundit at the same time as giving them more credibility and diminish yourself by explaining it. At the same time, there's an, often a case where you put people in their place sometimes. Mm. Punditry is becoming more prevalent. Noise is becoming more s specific. People get to say things and not be held accountable for them. I don't necessarily think that there's a fairness about the observations that he makes there is clearly a, 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 an element of enthusiasm from Jamie towards Liverpool at times. And there's clearly an enthusiasm, or in this instance, often not the case with Gary Neville because it gives him currency with Man United fans when he's going against the Glazers at Man United. They make no bones about it. But that's not a problem. For me, it's not much of a problem. It's whether you're objective when you're looking at other sides, whether your opinion is fair. Yeah. If, if Jamie Carragher's opinion on this particular subject matter is fair then I don't think whether he, he whether sometimes he gets carried away in commentary for Liverpool is I think it's irrelevant. Mm. I think that's just people nitpicking because they want to find a find a reason to dislike what someone's saying or disagree with what someone's point of view is. You disarm people with facts, not with not with feelings. Yeah. Well the the, the reality yeah. is last what... night were you pro Blackburn when you shouldn't have been no. having played for Blackburn? No, no, try and say what I see. 
I um I really believe that I do that. I I think most pundits do. On occasion, that might not be the case because, as I said, human nature kicks in in terms of likes and dislikes and people and teams. But very rarely I hear that. I I think I mean Gary Neville was the first to hammer United when he when he needs to. Yes, he cheers and he wants them to win and all that. But he, he's 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 the first to jump on the back when when they've been back. Look, the thing about the the subject we're talking about is Manchester United not being tactically very good, but more importantly, leaving wide open spaces in the middle of the pitch. The evidence tells you... Which is what they do. The, the evidence tells you that's what they do. And the goals they concede are a lot coming from that area. And it's been there's been more than Jamie Garriger's piece on it. I mean, there was a great piece after Forest um, when they lost at Forest on that exact subject. This ain't new. Now, Tenog watches the videos, watches the pieces, looks at the numbers, look at the midfield runners who... They struggle to track. Look at the gaps. Fulham have gone there and made them look like average. It, the evidence is there. So by responding, it's just crazy. But he puts himself in, in a really bad position. And it was an articulate response. Yeah, it was it calm. Was, irrespective but, of whether you agree with him, you should do it or not. But when you start saying that someone's subjective because they're clearly partisan towards a team that you're mm. not playing on that day, right? so it's an irrelevant conversation, mm. what it is... Is it's basically it's playing the man and not the game. So basically, was Jamie Carragher's opinions fair and representative of watching um, Manchester United? And his partisanship towards Liverpool is moderately incidental because Liverpool aren't involved in the conversation in that game. And by making it about subjectivity, not objectivity, you're playing the man, not the game. So disarm his points. And if we believe that as a result of what Ten Hag says. He's disarmed Jerry, Jamie Carragher's points and, and and correctly pushed him back into his place. Then that's one conversation. But he made it about subjectivity rather than objectivity. Yeah. But then he also said for the first thirty minutes of the game he was probably right. Oh, yeah. Well, there you are. Then there's yeah. a message for you, Danny. Danny, not pro Blackburn. Are you kidding? Get him to go and listen to himself again from last night. I mean, on social media there was quite a bit. But social media. Yeah. Social the thing media. Is with but a lot of people were saying. Danny is ex-Blackburn. Listen to him. Well, what did they say about Shearer's analysis on, on the game? Because it was the same as mine. Same thing. And, yeah. he's, and he loves Newcastle more than anyone I've ever met. Mm. Okay, we'll put it he out there. It doesn't mean you dislike Newcastle. I like Newcastle. I'm the, I've, I've been Eddie Howe's biggest fan on it. I know a lot of Newcastle fans throughout. I, I mean, it's a great club. It's, I, I've got nothing against I've even said this morning, I was kind of pleased they went through for Eddie and those supporters who turned up there. I mean, Jesus, what more can you say? I was not... I, it doesn't bother me either way who went through. I, 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 I saw Blackburn making Newcastle look unequal to them for huge parts of that game. And I saw a, a lethargy and a lack of fizz about Newcastle and a lack of athleticism and, and zest about their play that, you, that they, they needed to improve. And they did get lucky at times. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This topic of punditry and objectivity within it has absolutely exploded, I have to say. So many of you sending in messages of who's your favourite pundit. Mr Murphy features high on that list of many. Um, can pundits be as objective as they should be? Are they as objective as they should be? Danny is saying, yeah, it's almost inevitable. And I think this is your point. If you've got a history with a, with a football club, it's well nigh impossible to hide that you're saying, I think on, no, it's not. It's not just about football clubs. It's about people you know, maybe as well. Sometimes you can go a bit easier on them because you like them, and human nature kicks in. Is what my point was. But yeah, if you yeah. if you spent years at a club and you 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 love that club and you got friends there, you you are in the back of your mind thinking, you know, am I going to jeopardize that if I go too strong? But over time, 
when you've been in the punditry game as long as I have, you have to lose that yeah. to gain respect. And I, th I think most pundits you see do change and get better at that after the first couple of years. I, do, I believe that. I don't, I don't watch any pundits anymore and really think, you know, let loose. They, they, all, they all come across pretty honest. And I've seen, I've seen the best of them be very critical about their own clubs. Okay, fair point. Uh, Bruce is a Manchester City fan who wants his say on this. Uh, Bruce, thanks for phoning in. What do you want to say to us, mate? Good morning. Yes, hello there. Yeah, um, I agree with Danny, actually, because the first thing a pundit doesn't want to come across as, as being biased. Um, and it, so if you take um, Gary Neville, say, for instance, played for Man United, obviously loves the club. But he's been really critical at times of Man United about, about the style of play, lack of effort, the Glazers... Um, and I think I think Danny's right. Actually, if, if if you love a club and you've actually played for a club and you see these things that are going seriously wrong, if anything, you actually go the opposite way because you want them to get back to where they used to be. Yeah, yeah, but Bruce, I mean, it wasn't you, but we had a City fan on recently who was talking about us being the red media now and again. No, I don't see that at all. I think um, listen, if you're a pundit. Um, People would see through it if you if you were subjective and if you were biased. I think you begin to lose your credibility, and I think I think pundits now these um, days. Yeah. The only thing they've got is credibility at the end of the day. And okay, Bruce. Listen, thank you for that. I think Bruce is speaking to us from under his bed, Simon. But we, <laughs> we kind of get his drift. I mean, do you think some pundits go the other way, Simon? As he suggests, like Neville maybe does now and again with United. Well, I think there's different motivations behind that. I think some of that's playing to the gallery, specifically when it departs into the territory of the Glazers endlessly mm, yeah. from everything. You don't like being overly critical about Palace, do you? No, I don't. I think it's, as long as it's fair comment, I don't think it really matters. I mean, people talk to me repeatedly. The, the, the abuse that I get on social media comes predominantly from one football club, Man City fans. Every time I open really? my trap about... Every time I read an abusive comment on social media... Dollars for donuts. If I look at the profile of the person, which I rarely bother to do, it's a Man City fan. And there's no objectivity in their opinion. I can sit here and say, Man City are a brilliant football team. They're a remarkable team to watch. But I do think they've got charges to answer. And I do think, in my belief system, is that they're, 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 they're potentially guilty. That to, a, that to a Man City fan is a lack of objectivity. No, it's just a balanced opinion. I can give you criticism. Look at the credit column. Look at the debit column. Football is based upon tribalism, isn't it? And if people want to suggest that ultimately someone says something that they don't like, more often than not, they'll disappear into either giving you some abuse based upon some other ridiculous perspective or suggesting that you have a lack of objectivity. I think fair comment is fair comment. Yeah. And if Jamie Carragher, for example, in this instance, is commenting unfairly on Manchester United whilst, you know, on a game that Liverpool aren't participating in because he happens to be a Liverpool supporter, then he will eventually be dropped from the punditry roster because people won't like his punditry. And I think I'm in the same camp as Danny. I think as, 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 as an observer, I think Jamie Carragher is as good as you get. And well, I think it's relatively. I mean, I don't. Sometimes it gets excitable about Liverpool, but you know, well, so what? Interestingly, though, Danny, you said that Ten Hag was maybe wrong to respond to what Carragher had said the other day. That manager shouldn't yeah. jump in and respond. Many people are asking us to find this clip and play it, so we've done that. Klopp last season responded to our very own pundit Gabby Agbonlahor actually coming to the defence of Manchester United after Gabby criticised United's mentality. It was obviously not nice, uh, not a nice week for United after after the Brentford game. We forget in these moments how good Brentford is. To be honest, it was that bad. I, I, I drove home, coincidentally, listened to Talk Sport, and Gabby 
He lost against us 6-0 when I my first year. I couldn't remember him as a mentality monster on the pitch, but what he said about United and that in that show, I was close to call in. And I was close to call in and tell him, you forgot completely that you have been a player. It's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And if ex-players go already like this, and you can imagine how everything else is going. Well, Klopp's probably out in the training ground at the moment, but they take their phones, don't they? So you can call in. 03717 <laughs> well, What's your take on that? Klopp didn't hold back, jumped into the debate. I think he's wrong. Like I said, nothing else changed my mind. He's giving Gabby credibility on a comment he made on a radio show regarding Man United. Why, why, why bother? Why, why does Jürgen need to defend Man United? Why does Jürgen need to bring the pundit into it? Just back the question off, go on to something relevant and important. Well, I do actually, I, I do actually think there's something to be said. I concur with your view that let it go over your head and silence is the best medicine for people and it gives them no credibility whatsoever. But there are times when some of the witterings from the media do need to be corrected. I remember years ago, bloody Adrian Durham on this show talking absolute crap about me and Crystal Palace and Steve Bruce. And I took a chance to phone in and tell him exactly how stupid he was and how little he understood and how little he knew. Yeah, well, you see, uh, but that's, that, we're all different. I, I think but that's I don't do you regret doing that? No, because I think it was an important exercise in correcting some because the media is whether I like it or I don't the media is very influential and sometimes it gets carried away with itself and sometimes people don't get corrected and if I'm wrong I'm very happy to be corrected I'm very happy to be corrected by someone that knows the difference between I, the I, truth and, and some work so of fiction I, 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 how strong did you go when you called in? Um, I pretty much told him he didn't know what he was talking about but that could have sort of followed his career but See, that for me, observation for me Simon that's it, not there's fear. two aspects to it there's professional and personal I think if someone goes starts talking personally about you and and starts going on below the belt, then there's there's a there's a feel and a need to just put somebody back in a place or in the box because that's ridiculous and it's poor. But when you're talking, somebody wants to judge my punditry or ju- or judge my footballing ability or lack of it or whatever they want to say, that's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lo- use my energy in trying to put them right, defend myself. Based on their opinion, but he is. Could, I mean, the greatest example of someone putting someone in their place was Frank Lampard phoning up that snivelling, ghastly weasel James O'Brien <laughs> uh, and putting him firmly in his place. Who then crawled up Frank Lampard's backside and apologised profusely um, because he made terrible observations about Frank and his private life. But, but that's in personal. Sense, I, I'm, I'm concurring mm, with you. Mm. But when you're criticising <laughs> the team's selection and also the message that's being imparted, you are by definition c- questioning the prowess. And the professional capability of the manager yeah, but and the, his personal relationship with players and ability to understand messages. Yeah, but the, the person, i.e. going back to the original trigger point of this conversation, Eric Tan Hag is sitting in the hot seat at Manchester United. Jamie's on Sky. Yeah. No, you don't need to go there. You don't need to go there. He's not going to gain anything by going there. Yep. If anything, it can only but work the opposite So did Klopp need to go there on Gabby? No. But that's like saying Boris Johnson doesn't need to respond to Morticia Adams passing as Beth Rigby when she asked him questions. You, you are in a position of influence. <laughs> you have a you have a right, and again, this is only opinion. To get you have a right to answer the questions you want to answer. Yeah. And if if you're going to try as a journalist to get a manager of a Premier League team to engage in a tip for tat with a pundit on a radio show or a TV show, you're already losing by going there. In my opinion, as a player looking up at my manager. As a as a fan, an intelligent fan looking up at my manager and the leader of my club, I've, I don't I don't want him or think he needs to be engaging with people less than him 
in those tit for tat debates about. What? Okay, why is Jamie Carragher less? Why is Jamie Jamie Carragher's yeah, well, less than? I'm worth less than, choice just of words. Simply, he's chosen a different part. His opinion yeah. might not be worth, but what I'm saying is, his standing in the game. If you're manager of Manchester United, your standing is greater than if you work for Sky or Talksport, BBC, like myself or Jamie, right? You automatically does that make your opinion less valid? Surely, if you're someone of credential. If it was if it was a bloody influence, if it was that Wally Mark Goldbridge making an observation, <laughs> would you expect uh, you know, Joe, uh, um, uh, Ten Hag? No. But when you've got a former top England player that's pining on a very influential broadcaster, I take your point and I do concur with some of it. But I think you're underestimating the nature and influence of media and the and the, and the feeling that people that you say that would say well he's maybe not a manager shouldn't respond to it people like people to be put back in their place and every now and again someone of influence and someone of but authority he could have just, said, he just game, said pardon he could have just said look I'm the manager of Manchester United I think I know what I'm doing and I think me and the players know what we're doing 100% engagement outspoken with White and Jordan Simon, talking about football management, reports suggest that managers are calling for new rules that mean uh, they can only be sacked during transfer windows and not in season, similar to that of players. Um, so you can't sack the players mid-season, so why sack managers? Is there, is there anything in this? One manager who wishes to m- remain anonymous <laughs> right. is quoted as saying, players have contracts and rules that mean they are not moved outside of the windows. It should be the same for us. Oh, shut up. I mean, it's a completely different dynamic. Managers have responsibility for more than just themselves. Players have responsibility for themselves. And because of the nature of the commercial value of a player, you have to endure uh, some of that tripe that you put up with from players that you wouldn't necessarily did do if you didn't have to. Managers are a different animal. And if the League Managers Association are seriously suggesting that putting someone into a position of authority and finding that person not fit for purpose and then affecting the entire organisation and the entire football operation as a result of it should be endured for a longer period of time than you have to. This is ridiculous. Managers are paid compensation. Would that happen the... in any other industry, Charles, or does it? Because it sounds ludicrous. Well, no, because it's a ludicrous argument. You know, I, I, I've never been a great admirer of the, of the League Managers Association. I don't think they contribute very much, full stop. My endearing memory of them was, was them turning up at the training ground. Uh, Ray Graydon, I like Ray Graydon as a player, but he sat outside Peter Taylor's office as I was firing him, and then came out and said, um, I'd, I'm here for my annual review of the league manager's uh, position in terms of um, how you're getting on. I said, well, he's not getting on very well because I just fired him. <laughs> right? um, and, 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 and that's the league manager's association input. If you really are seriously suggesting, I mean, what a cowardly individual to yeah. say, I'm quite happy to tell you that I think something should happen, but I don't want my name attached to it. Bizarre. I'm so cowardly. If you believe something, stand up for it. But if you appoint a new manager, why not? Why not at least give them one season? You appointed them. Well, you'd want to give them one After season. much the last thought. Thing, the last thing you'd want to do is employ somebody, put them on a contract and then pay them for failing by giving them the boot and having to pay the rest of their contract up or significant proportions of it. So the last thing you want to do is find somebody in a job that you've recruited them for, bought players off the back of their so-called intellect and then allowed them to run amok on your football team and then have to endure it for another nine months because some imbecile in a trade union suggests that's somehow equitable. Would that even be it was you that appointed the manager? And it would be me that pays him. But Simon, would that even be on a serious note? Would that even be enforceable? 
if they did. If well, they, if you write it in someone's contract, yeah. Ultimately, what the, I, I can't suggest. No, I, I mean, I if a governing body dictated they're, they're that you had to you do it as an owner of the football the club, luck. would they be dictated <laughs> to you? Could they dictate to you? Look, I mean, what you write in someone's contract and what they have to adhere to depends upon again that the parameters of what you are asking them to do in the first place. No, I'm but, saying that for governing. But what they're saying is it doesn't make any sense. What are they asking you to change? They're asking you to to accept the fact that players are on fixed term contracts. And and, and 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 get to stay there. And managers don't. Yeah, but managers get to be paid. Mm. Now, it might not be the full contractual obligation mm. because the mitigation circumstances have changed around managers' compensation, but there is no other profession in the world where you get paid for failing. That's what managers who get fired do. And very rarely do they get fired for being successful. But so many of those same managers might, if given the chance, could turn it round. You well, don't know, but again, but... you're you're taking you're thinking that there is a logic uh, or, or is an illogical response to sacking somebody. You don't sack someone on a whim. You, and there are a few. Yes, I, I take the point with Johnny Eustace. That's the case that probably is an exception. It doesn't yeah, prove the rule, yeah. right? But the point is, is most of the time it's an absolute wrench to fire a manager. You've got to get rid of his backroom staff. Cost. You've got to get rid of all the oblig all the potential decisions that he's made. They've got to be unwound because you know dollars for donuts. The next guy comes in doesn't want the very things that the other manager had. So all of that is a wrench. So this sort of busyness, I mean, they'd be better off maybe inventing rules for Quidditch or something. <laughs> something useful like that for the League Managers I mean, Association. The, the Championship has seen 12 sackings already this season. Beale's one of them. Joe all Edwards, deserves, aren't they? Joe Edwards at Millwall was the latest. 12 in, one, in the season. 12. I just don't see how you could force enough. A, someone who owns a business, which is a football club, to keep someone employed who's not doing the job properly. Seems bizarre. But that's the. But that's the, It's not a grown-up conversation, and it's not sensible. It doesn't have any sense attached to it because ultimately there is such a difference. To draw a parallel between a manager and a player is just silly. So the Premier League and the EFL couldn't enforce that rule, is what you're saying? Well, given that, that a lot of the football stuff exists in the ether and it's nonsense anyway, yes, you could enforce it if you write it in someone's contract. Your contractual obligations are. If, well, they're if, not if, doing the contract. If you are the half, owner. Half, <laughs> brained imbecile owner is prepared to accept that you cannot sack somebody oh, yeah. for a year and write it in their contract <laughs> yeah. right? Then, then they'll be abiding by that contract but you as an owner of made your bed should you not lie in it you appointed the manager yes and you're if you're looking for stability and, and, in football and you, you appoint a manager based upon a degree of reputation mm -hmm. <clears throat> a degree of perception and a degree of what they tell you in an interview and if they tell you something in an interview and they do the polar opposite it turned out to be an absolute loon that doesn't understand what he's doing and you've made a bad appointment. In no other industry would someone say, you might have to pay for that. Mm. And ironically, that's already been covered. You do have to pay for it. See, so there's an argument that Forrest got it wrong by sacking Cooper when they did. Not Why? yet. Well, not yet. Well, for Forrest are still alive and well and, and not in any relegation type mm. conversation at the moment. They're in a similar predicament to where they were. Just hovering above the relegation. I mean, we all call for stability in the game, Simon. But twelve sackings already in the championship. Ten in League One. Thirteen in League well, Two. Oh, get, yeah, it's going well. But they know what nice they're getting. In, they know what they're getting into. But you don't as get well. stability just for stability's sake. You could make the argument that Stephen Gerrard should have been given longer at Aston Villa. Then, how do you square that circle when you've got Unai Emery smashing it and and Stephen Gerrard, you know, doing whatever he's doing in Saudi? The point is, is that you have to be able to make decisions, and if the consequences of those decisions are financial ramifications, they are already protected. They're already in a protected position. Nobody else in any other walk of life gets protected the way football people do. You sign a contract, you, you, you're stuck with someone. 
And if they're bloody useless, you're stuck with them economically. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.